Every single time you get up to teach, make a beeline to the gospel. Every story in the Bible connects in one way or another to the gospel. Your students need to understand that the Bible is one big narrative of our rescue, redemption, and restoration through Jesus Christ. And that just is a big challenge for youth pastors to kind of up your game when it comes to teaching. Today, we're talking about four ways that you can challenge your students in youth ministry. Welcome to the Ministry Coach Podcast, where we bring you weekly tips and tactics to help you fast-track the growth and health of your youth ministry. My name is Jeff Lascola, and this is... Kristen Lascola. And what is the topic for today? Today? I was going to say tonight, but I don't want to... You caught yourself. Say tonight. Um, We are... Okay. (laughs) Cool story. Today, we are talking about four ways that your students need to be challenged. Mm. So let's just jump right in because that's what we do. We get right to it. That's we know you're we busy. Do. You got stuff to do. You're I ready don't have for the content. To do, but here I am. <laughs> so number one, your students need to hear the Bible as a narrative. That's super important for their spiritual development. And keep in mind for all four of these, you are only going to have your students for a few short years, and then they've got to row on their own. And one thing I love to be super cognizant of when I'm teaching is to make sure that I'm not just telling isolated Bible stories. So like, here's an example is telling a story of Adam and Eve. So you tell the story of the original sin and the fall and all of that. Well, you could just tell that story or you can connect it to the larger narrative of mm. the Bible. So what you, what I would do if I was teaching Adam and Eve is I would connect them to the gospel and I would say where Adam failed, Jesus was the new Adam. And mm. then I would point them to the New Testament of how our failure was absorbed by Jesus and he lived the life that we were supposed to live and through his death, we find new life again. Mm. So connecting the Old and New Testament, making a beeline, as Rick Lawrence would say, to the gospel. So a really great book for this. I have books for all of my points today. (laughs) A really great book for this is one that totally transformed the way I thought about teaching in youth ministry, and it's called Jesus-Centered Youth Ministry by Rick Lawrence. And his whole point is that every single time you get up to teach, you've got to make a beeline to the gospel. Every story in the Bible connects in one way or another to the gospel. You can always bring Jesus into every story because Jesus is the narrative of the Bible itself. So the point here is your students need to understand that the Bible is one big narrative of our rescue, redemption, and restoration through Jesus Christ. They've got to understand that. There is no point in teaching them the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego unless you talk about Jesus. Mm. There's no point in telling the story of David and Goliath unless you talk about Jesus. There's no point, there's no inherent value to these stories apart from the gospel because, which brings me to point number two, is that they 
need to see Christianity as more than just moralism. Mm. So if we're just teaching them, hey, here's a good story with a good moral to the story, it's Aesop's fables, right? Like there has to be the power of the gospel behind each one of these things. And that just is a big challenge for youth pastors to kind of up your game when it comes to teaching. You know, getting them to understand this is a big epic story and you're a part of it. So what I like to do is actually draw their attention even to the book of Revelation pretty frequently to let them know this is the story of what has happened, but it's not over. The story is going to continue. And if you're a Christian, it actually mentions you. And Mm. I start to take them through Revelation 19 and 20 when Jesus is coming back with the saints and lays a smackdown on evil. And I'm like, you're a part of that. Like, this is your story too. You're the evil. (laughs) No, you're coming back with Jesus. Depends on the day. (laughs) As his army. And I say, this story is going to continue. Evil will not run rampant forever. Jesus will deal with it eventually. And so I say, do you want to deal with Jesus then? You want to deal Mm. with Revelation 19 Jesus? Well, you're going to. You're either going to be on his side or you're going to stand in judgment. And so what Jesus do you want to meet, you know? Um, and, and just like those sobering moments of guys, this is an epic story. This isn't just like the be good club. Let me teach you guys how to be better, cleaner uppers in your house and make your family real happy. Now it's important to have a servant mindset. Absolutely. Why? Because Jesus did. And he gave the (laughs) ultimate sacrifice and died for our sins. You know what I mean? Like everything can go back to that. Otherwise we're just teaching behavior modification. And I think that is the weakest motivation for students to stick their faith out when they get into upperclassmen, high school, college, when they're making their own decisions and adults of, oh, they just taught me how to be good. Mm. Well, there's an app for that, I'm sure. And there's a (laughs) Pinterest board for that, I'm sure, of just just be good for the sake of being good. Nobody is good except for one. And we always want to point them back to Jesus. So we're where the the book that goes along with this is Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh and Sean McDowell, which is a great book on, you know, like we want students to start to engage their minds with this faith that we're telling them. Like, we're not just saying be a good person, but we're trying to get them to understand, no, this is for real. Like Jesus is real. The Bible is true. All this stuff really happened and pointing them back to that over and over and over again. It's bigger than like when I was little, I told my mom once, I I don't need to read the Bible. I already know what it says. And she's like, really? Like, what does it say? I'm like, uh, be nice, don't say anything bad, and share your stuff. And I just thought I could sum it all up like that, which I mean, love God, love others, you know. But I just thought it was like, why would I need to read a whole book about how to be good? Just be good. Like the law of morality. Yeah, even with your three rules, you still couldn't do it. <laughs> exactly, you know. But the point is, we want to point them to a relationship with the one who is good, not just teach them how to be good because the only thing that can change and transform you is Jesus. So they will get to a point where they're like, this doesn't work. Right. Well, did they ever meet Jesus or did you just teach them how to be good? And it's crazy how we can miss that and just think like, well, I taught them this and this and this and this, but it's like, well, did they ever know Jesus? Because it's crazy how many people are sitting in church that, 
are religious mm. or ritualistic that have never met Jesus. I know those people, you know those people. And it's just like, they don't have any transformation of faith. And that would be such a tragedy for a student to come and go and just feel like, well, I guess it didn't work because I couldn't be a good person. Yeah. Instead of them understanding, no, this is so much bigger than behavior modification. Like this is, like the gospel is so simple, but so, so deep mm. at the same time, you know, however long we've been Christians, it still blows my mind because it's like a diamond that you turn and you see a different aspect of it of like, oh my gosh, these right. facets. And when this light hits this particular part, it's all illuminated all over again, uh, which brings me to the third point is my book for this one is one I just finished that like blew my mind as even a longtime Christian, Tim Keller. I'd have to say he probably has the most impact on my teaching and theology of any teacher I've ever studied or read. Tim Keller's The Reason for God, that book is like bananas hmm. of how mind-blown, like he takes the simplicity of the gospel, but like supercharges it mm. and makes you see it in a whole new way that if you are a skeptic or you deal with skeptics or you've ever been skeptical, like it is the most logical, like how could, like I couldn't even try to not believe in Jesus. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't, even if I didn't want to, it's yeah. just too true. And he puts all that together. So number three, what our students need from us, why they need us to challenge them is why Jesus and Christianity is so logical. And for those of you that might be thinking, well, no one ever argued anyone into Christianity. I'm not talking about teaching your kids how to debate necessarily. What I am saying is that students knowing the facts and not just thinking like, well, this is just, we have faith, mm. you know, well, what does that mean? That's so vague. I don't know what just have faith means because everybody says that and it's ambiguous and it's kind of a stained glass window kind of word that loses a lot of depth to mm -hmm. it. Right. So having faith, I just think that's not enough to tell students, but if what got me through as a young adult, those times of doubt was the indisputable proof. Cause I'd be like, there's no way like that book. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. That's a really, another really good resource for this topic. I forget who the author of that is. It might be Barna. Is well, it the Barna group? All but these books will link in the description below, whether you're listening to the podcast or on uh, YouTube. If you check in the description, if you want to check them out, they'll be there. So. So we'll figure out who the author is, all that to say. <laughs> I'm guessing Barna, I could be wrong. But basically what, what we want to communicate to students is you don't just have to be like, it's just faith, close your eyes and believe, you know, something like that. It's not like Santa Claus. We have really who? Santa Claus Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus. Santa Claus. The floss. That's a dental floss, Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus. Whatever. Anyways, uh, more just like this idea, like, no, it's totally logical. We don't have to equate it with fairy tale. And I think like sometimes when you get into some of those Old Testament stories, you can be like, whoa, 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 swallowed by a fish walking through <laughs> fire. I don't know about you guys, even Peter walking on water. Like sometimes it can seem fantastical, you know, and sometimes people 
well, like when you get them behind closed doors, they'll be like, do you really believe that? Yeah. Like, are you really serious right now? And so what we want students to do is have this separation of like, this isn't a fantasy world. Like, you know, I point them to, and, and these aren't just boring facts. That's like, who cares? But what, these are things that me as a young Christian got me through knowing, okay, Jesus was a real person. Jesus really existed. There's more evidence to support Jesus's death and resurrection than there is that George Washington existed and Mm. died. And yet we just are like, yeah, George Washington's real. But yet with the Jesus stuff, and I tell them about Old Testament prophecy, and there's 400 years of silence between the last Old Testament prophet and Jesus coming on the scene in the gospels, and he fulfilled every single prophecy. What's the probability that somebody could do that? Could you even name someone in your family 400 years ago, let alone what they did, how they lived, how they died, what they wore, what they said, all of that kind of stuff. Yet they did that to a T. People, authors that had never even met each other all writing about the same person the same way like get their mind blown about this stuff because when they get in that college classroom or when they're on that youtube channel of that influencer who's deconstructing or whatever it might be they have to be able to go back to something not just like oh you know one time a whale was swallowed and i learned you know make sure you obey god it's like who swallowed a whale (laughs) the fish (laughs) must have been (laughs) Oh, you didn't read that Klaus. one? Mm. Santa Claus. <laughs> Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, give them something like, th- where did we get the Bible from? Let me explain that to you. Let me explain how old it is and how they've cross-referenced each other. And Jordan Peterson does a really cool thing on this right now of like how many cross-references are in the Bible mm. and like the odds of those being able to line up perfectly. And he actually draws lines from one to the other, to the other. And it's like this like rainbow almost (laughs) of like, Oh my gosh. He's like, there's no book even in 2023 that has that, let alone all these different authors. And these are the things that I, you might underestimate the power of logic to a particular person. That person is me, mm. you know, coming back to creation. Well, we all have to start with there was nothing. And now there's right. something. Every single person, whether you're an atheist or a Christian, you've got to jump from square one to square two. How did we go from nothing to something? Yeah. And what is your explanation of the in-between? And I always tell my students, the thing that I could not get over is was simple math. Zero plus zero. Mm. It always equals zero. So you're telling me for this. So all of modern science, they don't want us to believe in miracles except for the one giant miracle right. called the Big Bang theory that <laughs> the everything most else hard hangs to on. Believe. <laughs> huh. It's like, "Oh no, miracles defy science and we would never believe in a miracle, but I just humor me and believe in the Big Bang theory that." Right. You know what I mean? And so I tell students, "What is more probable when you look around at creation and the design that we see and I give them all these examples, what is more probable that nothing and nothing got to and created complex biological systems that we don't even understand fully and the tilt of the earth and the, you know, it's just 
mind-blowing well what exploded and does explosion ever equal organization ever no it's destruction in life conscious (laughs) life i mean Michael Behe has a great book called Darwin's Black Box, and he talks about this idea of irreducible complexity, meaning that organisms can't develop slowly over time because they are nothing prior to that. So what would be the advantage of continuing to develop when you were nothing and non-functional one step behind? So there's so much out there. I'm kind of a nerd for that stuff and because it solidifies and gets me fired up it's like Jesus is real this is the truth and the most beautiful thing of it is you don't even have to open the bible because the conversation could be over if you say well the bible says right here it's like I don't believe in the bible oh well now what but right. I love showing students how logical the faith is when we start to look at archaeology history science astronomy you look at all of it i mean you put it all together and it makes a very compelling picture that our faith is totally reasonable and totally logical. And that is, I think what we want to equip students with when I'm talking about ways to challenge students is help them understand this is reasonable, Mm -hmm. like thinking people. I, there, I read this book. I think it was in Tim Keller's. I just got a new book of his. It's called the, the first Christian or something like that. And he's talking about like Mary Magdalene and her being seeing the risen Christ and all of that. And this author was saying the thing that haunts him the most is how many people he really loves, respects, and are highly educated that believe in Jesus and the Bible. He's like, it's like people that are like legit, Mm. like that in every other sense of their life, I totally respect them. And it makes me think like, what do you know that I don't know? And that's what students need to know is like, this isn't a bunch of like, weirdos who like are just blindly following some pie in the sky thing. Like, we've got evidence upon evidence Mm -hmm. upon evidence. And it's like that book says, it's almost like I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I couldn't if I tried, even if I didn't want it to be true. And that's kind of what that author was saying. He's like, I don't want it to be true. That's why I'm running. Because if I say this is true, that changes everything. I don't want it to be true. I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping I'm right. But everywhere I look, people are like, this is this is it. There's no way we can refute this anymore. And we want students to get to that point, to have some of those little nuggets in their pocket that maybe they can't articulate them to debate an atheist. And that's not what I'm trying to create. I don't want kids who know how to debate atheists when they're 13. But what I do want (laughs) is when that little seed of doubt comes in from that TikToker, that person in their class, that YouTuber, that professor on a college campus that they know enough to know I might not be able to articulate it perfectly, but I know you're wrong. And that's all I need them to do right now is just have enough to be a little bit bulletproof for their faith so that when they leave me and someone tells them something weird, a little red flag or a little bell will go off in their mind to say, I can't totally explain it, but I know you're wrong. Mm. And and then they'll do some more research on their own and they'll solidify it for themselves. But I want them to at least have the foundation to know there is something to this, not just like a crutch or a fairy tale or, oh, it's for people who are just sort of need something to get by in this right. purposeless life of ours. It's like, no, like this is totally reasonable thinking people 
believe this and here is why Mm -hmm. this isn't just and unfortunately that's not the narrative that's out there it's the opposite where it's like the christians are just like la-di-da i'm just going along with this fairy tale and i don't ever question anything but the reality is like the more you research it the more it points back to god Mm -hmm. and the people that come at you uh, or come at christianity it's i feel like they are a lot of times the ones that they're, they're not doing their research they've been told it's like, well, there's science and then there's religion and science right. is fact and religion is just, you know, fairy tale. It's like, no, like a little science will take you away from God, but a lot of science and the more you dive into it brings you back to God. Mm-hmm. So it's like these simple things where it's like, yeah, but but there's this. So therefore I can't believe anything. It's like, well, no, if you look further into this, right. you'll realize that this points to Jesus. And so that brings up a good point, which I was just talking to my students about. It's like, hey, guys. You're allowed to doubt and you need to challenge students with that. Like you can doubt, you can ask questions. If we're afraid of your questions, that means we've got something to hide. Jesus is not afraid of your questions. I'm not afraid of your questions. If any of you have doubt, that is a okay. That's how your faith gets stronger. But I warn them, the most dangerous is an unexpressed doubt. And then you do this like feedback loop in your own mind of like, well, maybe this is wrong. And these people said this and da, da, da. And if you, like you were saying, if you don't research it, if you just leave it hanging, if just a question, well, yeah, maybe it could take you further away. I mean, if I always tell my students, guys, if Darwin were alive today, based on the science of 2023, he would laugh his head off that we're still peddling this stuff. Because he even said, if it could be proven that organisms did not develop with slight successive modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. I think it's like saying smoking's good for you. Well, in 1950 research, maybe, but how far have we come? I think he would laugh his head off. Well, they don't have anything else to give us except for intelligent design, which they say is microwaved creationism. But students need to know this stuff. Guys, they don't have an explanation. They don't. They're going to pretend they do, but they do not have an explanation. So, gives them a little courage to say, it's not like, oh, all these brains on a sticker, like, oh my gosh, those silly Christians. Not the case. Expose them to people like Stephen Meyer, really from the Creation Institute, people who are very smart and very scientific and give them these little nuggets over time. You don't have to hose them with it all at once, but give them these nuggets, drip it into your messages, drip it in so that they know smart, logical, thinking, reasonable people are saying this is the way so that they don't esteem like the people in academia right. who are like, oh no, they're the smart ones and we're just the idiot Christians. Yeah, and no, that's the narrative that's it out is. there. And I don't want our students to fall for it. Like expose them to how reasonable this is because that gives them what they need to get by to make it in this world as a Christian. We can teach them about how to resist temptation. That's a great message. But also make sure you're giving them something that when their faith comes under fire, they're not going to sway from it because Mm. they're like, where else? Like, I love the words of Peter. Where else are we going to (laughs) go? What's the, what's the alternative? And that's what I always ask my students too. Tell me what's the alternative. There is none. So even if you doubt certain parts, like you said, you can't throw the whole thing out. You've got to dive into that one thing and kind of figure it out and Mm. research and talk and ask and pray 
but it's it's not time to throw the, the baby out with the bathwater just because you don't understand one part of right. Christianity. Doesn't where what happened to dinosaurs? Oh, I can't be a Christian. It's like right. hold on a minute, <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's it's we need to give them so much that they're like, well, this part doesn't make sense, but ninety five percent of it does, and so let me figure out the five yeah. percent. I think that is such a gift that we can give our students in student ministry because they're right around the corner from adulthood Mm -hmm. and having to do this on their own. The last one, number four, this kind of is a rogue one. It doesn't really go into the theme of what we've been talking about, but uh, (laughs) just a little extra for you. Yeah. A way that you can challenge your students is give them a place to serve, figure out, help them figure out where they fit into the body of Christ. And that makes their relationship with God. I feel like so well-rounded. It's one thing like, I believe I'm a Christian. I come to church and then I go home, but something comes alive in your soul. And we've talked about this before when you're serving within the gifts that God made you. And like that runner, I think it was chariots of fire. He said, I feel his pleasure Mm. when I'm running, I was made to run. And we want to help students figure out, well, what were you made to do? And then it's like this synchronous relationship of, I feel God's pleasure. I feel pleasure because I'm working harmoniously with him and what he's created me to do. And all we need to do is invite students into that because a lot of times they don't even know it's an Option. They're yeah. just like, well, you're you work at the church, you make church happen. It's like, whoa, no, you are the church, and we make this happen together. What can you do? Let me. Why don't you try something? You hate it? Let's do something else. You want to try this? You want to try that? So, giving your students places to serve, places to try stuff, inviting them to the core of ministry, inviting them into serving. It's not just like, hey time to pull your weight around here. You guys need to serve. But what serving does is it gives the server so much more than they're ever going to output. One of my leaders, he served with me for nine years and he finally took a break. And he said at his little, I did a little going away party for him here. Remember? Mm. And he said, he was kind of like choked up, which got me choked up. He goes, I got so much more out of serving at chaos than I gave. Mm. I know that. 100%. Who rescued? Who rescued who? <laughs> <laughs> and it was beautiful because it was that, yeah, because you were doing what you were made to yeah. do and you're so good at it. And he texted me the other day the video of me baptizing his daughter at camp. And he's like, We've been part of so many miracles together. Like, I'm just so thankful. This was such a cool season of ministry. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I can't agree more. And so we want students to experience that. I was like, there's something cool waiting for you. You've just got to step out and try a couple things and you might not hit the jackpot right away. I remember I helped out with three-year-olds when I was like 19. I was like, (laughs) no, help me. Ah, My soul is dying, not coming alive. And I realized that's not for me. Okay. What else can I try? And, you know, landed in junior high and totally love it and stuff like that. But where can we do that service for our students of like, come on, what are you good at? Let me teach you something. Get involved in church. You are the church you've got. And that's when people stick and come alive and get addicted to like, 
being a part of God's family is because they're like, I did something that mattered. And yeah. I addicted in a good way. Yeah. Like feeling the pleasure of God in your service is surreal. It is so cool. And we've got to open up doors for our students to do that. My vehicle for it is my student leadership team. My student leaders get an opportunity to serve inside and outside the church. So I don't know if you have a vehicle for it, but it is just such a cool thing for students. So I feel like I got really passionate yeah, today. Yeah, wow, you need to take a nap or something. I don't know, I had intense. a big matcha earlier. <laughs> Maybe that was it. <laughs> Maybe, there's you know what no it caffeine is? in it's matcha. It's this topic. I love talking about the reasonable basis for our faith. That's yeah. when I get, that is when I come alive. That is your wheelhouse. That's it is. one of the things you really I love, love to talk about when you have a guest speaking role. I know mm-hmm. that you really light up for I that. I do. Welcome to completely shift gears. Uh, let's do a question of the day. And this is going to be a... What is your favorite galaxy and why? And what does it say about <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> um, I can name one galaxy. So this is a would you rather. And this is when meeting any person for the first time. Okay. Would you rather have to spit into the palm of your hand and oh. say, put her there, partner? <laughs> Okay. Or put them in a headlock and say, how's that armpit smell, you little freak? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm in a weird mood. You're in a weird mood. How does that smell, you little freak? Probably unpopular opinion, but probably the headlock. I have a real thing with spit. I guess it's my own, but... Yeah, what if they double down oh, and they're like, I, I hate call spit. your hand spit and they spit in their own and just... I'm going to gag just thinking about it. I hate spit. So I think uh, headlock. Yeah. I, it's kind of like, maybe I could pretend it was a hug, like kind of be like, oh, yeah, but, oh but, sorry, how does that smell, but, but, you little freak? <laughs> like, I don't know. Try to pull it off. Put a little different intonation. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, ah, you little freak. Yeah. I just picture the people I meet, you know, and it's like, oh, you know what I would from do? From so many different, like, circumstances. <laughs> I would say, I would do it kind of like a hug, like a neck hug. And I'd be like, ah, how does that smell, you little freak? Have you seen that movie? It's a line. No? Oh, man, it's a good one. What was the name Either of it? Either way, See? you just put them in a headlock first time you met them. I know. Better, I don't know. Like someone's grandma that came to visit church. It'd be a gentle headlock. If you were ever to, were to meet a a. a king or queen or like the president or whatever i put That's what kids and headlocks probably every single day Do i you see make them, them smell your armpit no but i usually put the boys in a headlock what if you had to give them a noogie too is that what it's called i think it's a noogie noogie not a noogie, noogie. <laughs> not old noogie snoogie <laughs> uh i think i'd go with the spit one just to be i don't know it feels like they can Ugh. refuse, and then you could say, "Okay, well, put her there. Put her there, partner. <laughs> you little freak." <laughs> All right, that well. was the weirdest one we've ever done. <laughs> I'm running low on ideas. <laughs> uh, let's do a quick a community comment of the day. This comes from KC, like letters KC seven eight five two. I says, wonder if they're a Kansas City fan. <gasps> maybe. Uh, so helpful. This podcast provides everything, games, encouragement, strategy, fun ideas, etc. It has helped me in youth ministry so much. Highly recommend. 
We appreciate Ooh. that, KC7852. Thank you, KC7852. Thanks for taking the time and KC putting that. KC7852. <laughs> <laughs> You're Thank welcome. you for taking the time to uh, put that review on our podcast. If you guys are listening, we would be so thankful if you would just take <laughs> 30 seconds and leave us a review. That would be wonderful. You act like <laughs> you don't know what you're going to say. Yeah, you... So here's the thing. I've been toying with the idea of micing myself up during when I'm greeting at church. Oh. I have become more and more socially awkward over the years. <laughs> you need to get out more, Jeff. And that, yeah, I feel like greeting Tell is making it worse. Your... It's not even worth repeating. <laughs> Can Just I repeat this it? Dumb stuff that I say that, like, I, it's an out of body experience <laughs> as I'm listening to the words that come out of my mouth. <laughs> And it's every week, the every week that I have to serve that that I do the greeting. Maybe that's not do the greeting. Maybe that's not how God has gifted you. I, I don't think Maybe so. Maybe we need to put you back in junior high. And, ministry. Yeah, because I've been trying for years, and I'm like, I thought I'm you still were funny texting people. Like, I can't believe what I just said to somebody. Not bad, just so dumb and awkward and weird. I put them in headlocks and say, "Smell the armpit, you little freak." <laughs> so I'm asking. That'd probably be better than what I'm, you actually <laughs> said. <laughs> when I'm greeting people, should I? Which one should I go with? But, anyways, KC seven eight five two. Thank you so much for the for the review. We yes, appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thank you guys so much for watching and listening, and, and we we'll will see, see you next, next time. time. Welcome to the Ministry Coach Podcast, where we bring you weekly. That's not it, is it? Welcome to the Ministry Coach Podcast, where every week we what is it? Time out. <laughs> what what are four ways that you can challenge your students in youth ministry that's coming up